Well, as we prepare to hear our scripture reading this morning, uh, we continue to journey through the Gospel of Mark. And um, as we come to today's reading, uh, we have been following the narrative all along, but today we actually have skipped an important part, which is a Palm Sunday when Jesus enters Jerusalem. And so by the time we get to our readings today, it is already Holy Week. And uh, we will see that this is the time when the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders and the political leaders are really coming to a head. So we're going to come back and read uh, the Palm Sunday text in a couple weeks on Palm Sunday. But in the meantime, Jesus has entered Jerusalem, and he has gone into the temple. He has turned over the tables of the money changers and uh, called them out for turning uh, his uh, God's house into a den of thieves. And he is uh, basically continued to critique uh, the religious establishment for the ways that it's um, looking out primarily for its self-interest and uh, maybe missing the mark a little bit on its care for others. And so um, what we're going to hear this morning are two stories that pick up on that theme. And the first one, a parable, is a, a difficult story. Um, and it really speaks to um, how Jesus is inviting the leaders um, to think differently about how they lead. And then our second story is about uh, paying Caesar, uh, taxes to Caesar and paying to God what belongs to God. And so it's a question that invites us to think about what in our life uh, belongs to God. So let us listen for the word of God as we hear our scriptures this morning. This reading is from the Christian Testament, the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. Then Jesus began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent another slave to them. This one they beat over the head and insulted. Then he sent another, and that one they killed. And so it was with many others. Some they beat, others they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he said to him, to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So when he was sent, they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyards do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. When they realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd. So they left him, and they went away. Then they sent to Jesus some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he had said. 
And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. And then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? And they answered, The emperor's. Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. Will you join me in prayer? Oh gracious God, in this uncertain time we ask you to come and to be with us, to meet us where we are, to remind us that you are with us, and in these words help us to find a word for us today. Open our eyes to see you, our ears to hear you, our hearts to feel you with us, and our feet to follow in your way. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, today's parable is a difficult one, even in the best of circumstances. And it's uh, a little more complicated, uh, given just all that's happening in our world and given this new format um, to worship. And so in full disclosure, I really struggled with what to do today. Should I uh, throw this text out and pick something else? Should I uh, try to wrestle with it? Should I just skip ahead a week to something that seems a little easier? Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought that this text is fitting in some ways because it is a text that we really struggle with. It's a text that we struggle to find meaning in. And that's what's happening in our world now, that we're really struggling to find meaning. We're struggling to make sense of what's going on. And so um, I thought I would just attempt to wrestle a bit with this parable uh, to try to tease out some meaning for us today and how we move forward with uh, just all that's happening in our world and as we seek to be the church in a time such as this. So as we turn first to the parable, it's helpful to remember the context in which it was written. Um, that this takes place in Holy Week, it takes place, as I said, at a time when um, the, the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders is mounting, which is actually something that has been building all along in the Gospel of Mark. Throughout the Gospel, uh, Jesus has been challenging the powers that be and challenging the systems and the structures and people that would uh, keep others at the margins or that would put their own self-interest in front of uh, the interests of, of others. And so we saw this way at the beginning uh, when we first looked at Mark back in January. The very first story was a story of healing where uh, Jesus came and healed a man in the synagogue in front of the scribes uh, that was a demon-possessed man, bringing that person back into relationship. And he's continued to confront people all the way along, uh, and the establishment all the way along, even up through last week when we heard the story of James and John, and uh, challenging the disciples who were vying for who could sit at Jesus' right and left, uh, challenging them to think not about their own status, but to remember that 
we are here for service and that we are called uh, to be servants for others. And so as Jesus enters Jerusalem, turns over the tables uh, in the temple, he's continuing this sense of challenge and calling forth uh, the best in the leadership. And so this, I think, is what is happening in our parable uh, this morning. Jesus starts by telling about a man who is planting a vineyard. And to those early Hebrew listeners, um, this would have been a common metaphor. It's an image they would have known. There's a very famous passage in Isaiah where it says God planted a vineyard, which is basically the Hebrew people, and created them to produce the fruits of justice and mercy. And so when those early hearers heard Jesus start the parable, that's likely where their mind would have gone. That here is this vineyard owner who has created the vineyard, who loves the vineyard, who takes care of the vineyard, and then entrusts the vineyard to these tenants, uh, and he takes off to another land. It's the tenant's job then to um, care for the vineyard. It's the tenant's job to look out for the vineyard, to help produce these fruits of justice and of mercy. Well, as we hear in the story later, the owner uh, sends a servant back to collect what is rightfully the owner's. And um, we hear that the tenants don't want to give up those fruits. They don't want to give up what rightfully belongs to the owner. And so they kill uh, the servants. This has often traditionally been interpreted as uh, many of the prophets who came. And then eventually um, they kill not just the servants, but they kill the son thinking that if they can do that, they will inherit the vineyard. Now, traditionally, this parable has been interpreted in some very horrific ways um, to promote anti-Semitism. That's, I don't think, what Jesus was doing at all. Instead, what I hear going on is this. It's a, really a critique of the system itself. It's a critique of those in power who have forgotten who the vineyard belongs to, um, who have forgotten that their role is to tend to the vineyard and to seek to produce those fruits of justice and mercy, which are for the benefit of everybody. And so I think what Jesus is trying to do in this passage is to uh, provoke change, to help the leaders then and to help readers now see that there is a different way of living, that there's a way of living that remembers our connection to the vineyard owner, remembers that connection as the one who is the source of all our blessings and our hope and our gifts, that there's a different way of living that connects us to the vineyard, to each other, uh, to caring for each other. And there is a way of living that invites us to think beyond our own individual interest, our own individual privilege and power for the good of all. In other words, this is not a passage about God uh, as the vineyard owner coming to kill greedy tenants. But really, it's a passage that evokes questions about how are we called to live? How are we connected to God as the maker of the vineyard and the source of our blessings? How are we called to tend to the vineyard that we have been entrusted with? The vineyard of the community, of the earth, of creation, of human well-being, of each other? How are we called to care for others and seek the fruits of justice and mercy? And are there ways that we or the systems we are part of hinder justice and mercy in our world? And this is where I can see some connections to us today and where we are today. 
Because while Jesus never spells out uh, why the tenants act the way that they do, or why the religious leaders act the way that they do, um, something tells me that it's really about fear. That it's about fear of scarcity, it's about fear of loss of control, it's about fear of loss of whatever power that they have. And Jesus is interested in helping them see beyond their fear, uh, to see what life is like when you live in deeper connection to the vineyard owner, to God, to the vineyard, to each other, and to the world that we are called to care for. As we enter this time of a global pandemic, uncharted territory for all of us, um, I know that there's a lot of fear. I've heard it from many of you. I know that it's really easy to get sucked into the 24-hour news cycle, um, that we are worried not just for ourselves, but for loved ones. And uh, it's hard um, to try to stay grounded. But I think that is part of what we are called to do at this time, that we are to stay grounded in our connection to God, to the vineyard owner, that we are called to stay connected to the God who creates us and who loves us and who longs for our health and our well-being. While it may feel at times like God is distant, distant like the landowner, the reality is our God is as close to us as our own breathing. Our God is with each one of us. Our God is uh, between us. Our God is around us all the time. And so it's really important for us in this time to stay connected in whatever practices or ways that help ground us in our faith. So whether that's tuning in to this live stream, whether it's uh, praying, whether it's taking a walk in the woods and remembering the beauty of nature, whether it's picking up the phone and calling a friend, it's really important to do those things that help remind us um, that God is with us and that we are not alone. I think one of the things that helps me, or I know one of the things that helps me in this time is uh, whenever I'm afraid is also to practice gratitude, to look around at the blessings that we do have, to recognize that everything we have, our life, our health, our family, friends, our community, all of these are gifts that come from God. And even just uh, taking a step outside and looking at the trees or listening to the birds is a way to um, just remember those blessings that we have and to calm us and ground us in times of fear. One of the things we hear over and over again in scripture is that refrain, be not afraid, that God is with us and God watches over us. So not only do we remember our connection to the vineyard owner, but we are also called to remember our connection to the vineyard, to each other, to uh, the wider group of which we're, we are part. And for us, we're going to have an opportunity to learn how to be community, learn how to be church in some new ways with each other. And um, it, I'm glad to be doing it here. I'm glad to be doing that with all of you because community is in the DNA of our congregation. It's one of the things that we do extremely well. Even in our new member Sunday last week, we heard that refrain of just feeling connected. And so we're going to have to find some ways um, together to learn how to connect in new ways, to call each other up by phone, to pray for each other in new ways, to uh, find ways just to reach out to each other and support each other. Already there have been people in our congregation who have reached out about wanting to help with uh, technical support and helping get us set up so that we can meet online, people that have volunteered to bring groceries to others, people that have volunteered to offer childcare 
if people need it. And so uh, already we're looking for ways to support each other and we will continue to have those opportunities as we go along. So if you are someone who needs help or has a particular need, let us know. And if there are ways that you are willing to help, uh, let us know so that we can connect us to each other. Finally, we remember also um, our call not just to care for those in our church community or immediate community, but also to care for the wider community. And one of the things that we've learned about this virus is how it's uh, obviously affecting everybody. It doesn't know race or class or, or anything else. And so um, it has been uh, also exposing, I guess would be the word, some of the systems of privilege that we have in, in our world. And so already we are seeing who is most vulnerable in our society. Uh, we're seeing who has access to health care and who doesn't. We're seeing that some people have the ability and resources to stockpile goods and other people don't have anything at all. Uh, we see who has the luxury or benefit of working from home and others who are losing jobs and hours and pay. And so for those of us who are still experiencing or are aware of privilege even in this time, there's a call especially I think for us to seek justice and mercy uh, for everybody and especially for those on the margins, for those who are high risk, for those who are financially at risk, uh, for those who need food and childcare, uh, for those who may not have the systems or the community to support them. And so that's part of what we'll be talking about here at church, um, how we as individuals and as a community can band together and share our resources um, to help those who need it most. We know already in our area there are food banks extending hours, there are systems being set up to get people food, there are neighbors reaching out to neighbors, there's all kinds of examples of how this is happening. And so it will be important for us to think about how we can help those uh, beyond our own community. As you hear of things that are happening locally here, please let us know uh, so that we can also work to compile a list for how we can help uh, those uh, programs that are already happening. This is a difficult time um, for all of us. It's a difficult time to know what to do. It's a difficult time to figure out how to be the church. Um, but I guess if there's anything that I really want us to remember it's that we are not alone. Uh, we are, uh, we have a God who is with us and watches over us. We are here with each other, even when it's across a computer or a telephone, um, that we support one another and that we are continued to call, call to care uh, for our wider community and God will continue to equip us uh, and keep us connected to each other. I want to close us um, just with a poem that I, or a prayer, I guess, that I um, read yesterday, two days ago. There's been a lot of things swirling around online, but this one uh, really touched me for the way that I think it captures many of the themes that we are talking about. Um, it's called Lockdown. It was written two days ago on the March 13th by Father Richard Hendrick. And here's what it says. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, 
The sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, and the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. Yes, there is even death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen. Behind the factory noises of your panic, the birds are singing again. The sky is clearing, spring is coming, and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing.